you look at some of the the most forward thinking um, technologically innovative companies today you think of um, Tesla and SpaceX Elon Musk companies and they're doing a lot in the R&D space they have they have casting capabilities they have machining capabilities they have all kinds of R&D stuff but they still rely on subcontractors and companies like Kraft to support them in the development efforts This is the Buffalo Community Podcast, all about the greatest small town in the USA, the people in it, and how it all works together. Here are your hosts, Tyler Reese and Mark Benzer. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Buffalo Community Podcast, coming from the new studios in downtown Buffalo, powered by Edland Media. Uh, This is episode 96 of the Buffalo Community Podcast. We've got President and CEO of Kraft Pattern and Molding. Yes. Steve Kremers and Steve, General Manager of Craft Pattern. Thank you for coming in. Thank you. Well, thanks for being a guinea pig, actually, for our new studios here. You know, it's a great backdrop. We, we really enjoy it. So. Oh, I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, for people who don't know you already, just give a 30,000-foot view of what your business is and just let's catch us up real quick. Okay. Yeah. So... Craft uh, Pattern, we've been in business for approximately 40 years. Uh, we manufacture prototype parts for OEMs for various commercial and industrial applications and also produce production tooling for local uh, casting operations foundries. Sure. So from a prototyping standpoint, we specialize in machined metal castings, on, um, aluminum, iron, and steel materials. I have a question about that, not to like jump into like oh, the difficulties part of of your job. How has the the um, we're really jumping into it? Uh, how has the um, supply chain affected metals and anything like that? Has that affected um, some of the difficulties here uh, of operations in the last two years? Yeah, somewhat. You know, um, we're not a high volume user, so we're not really dependent on a certain amount of materials every single day what we do is very custom so okay um, but we do see some limitations with materials and um, cost is going up and stuff like that too just like everybody else is seeing sure we're we're also very vertically integrated we've brought a lot of processes in-house over the years okay Um, a lot of our competition was uh, other pattern shops or foundries or maybe a machine shop and to provide the complete service we do for our customers they would need a pretty deep supply chain. Um, say a, a foundry wanted to supply a prototype to their customer, they would need someone to produce a pattern uh, or a tool in order to make the castings. They would make the casting, and then they would need to find a shop to machine it. Sure. Being vertically integrated, we have the design and tooling capabilities in-house. Uh, we manufacture our own tooling. Uh, we make our own castings, we pour metal on site. And then we do all the machining on site as well. And we have our full quality department to back that. Um, Over time, we've also acquired a lot of bolt-on value-add type processes like heat treating, um, balancing. Uh, There's some other minor things we do, broaching of keyways and things like that, that most machining houses or foundries would have to go outside for those subcontract services. So that gives us a competitive advantage. Sure. Um, let's, if we were, if we were to just kind of dumb things down a little bit, Mm -hmm. um, 
what is a foundry? Who are some? What are some of the products that you make? Um, customers that you serve? I guess if we're kind of talking to a kindergartner about this. Sure. So, <clears throat> uh, metal casting is um, an engineered product. It's not a commodity. It's it's not a piece of flat stock material, sheet metal like you would traditionally think of, or or bar stock. Uh, we're, we're custom forming parts okay. using molds. We're melting the metal, pouring it into those molds, and we're, we're generating a shape. Like an engine block or something? Like an engine block, okay. right, like the head. Uh, cars are great examples. Um, Suspension parts? Yeah, uh, different vehicles. Uh, probably the biggest industry we play in right now is agriculture. A lot of castings used in that industry. Mm-hmm. Um, automotive, light truck. Um, sport utility. Sport mm-hmm. utility. Um, you can just keep running down the list. The castings sure. are present in almost any and everything we do. Sure. So. Uh, and your your connection with the community. You guys are located in Montrose. You moved out there 10, 12 years ago? Correct. It's been about 11, coming on 12 years, I think, now. Yeah. Somewhere so we were, in a, we were in a smaller facility in Maple Plain up until about 2011. Um, like a lot of companies, we experienced growing pains. Got tired of coming in to work every morning, grabbing a forklift and moving everything outside so we could do the work. And then at the end of the day, spending another hour moving it back in. Yeah, that sounds awful. <laughs> Everybody's looking at each other at the end of the day. Who's going to be the, the yeah, guy, who, lucky guy? Yeah, we're all sneaking out the door not to be that guy. <laughs> right. So that's we started the, the search for a new facility, and um, Tony was working with a broker at the time and came across a uh, Build stock lumber building in Montrose, and one thing led to another, and we started moving in. Awesome. So, and so, why don't we go like into your background and kind of terms of how you got to where you are? Um, uh, myself? Yeah, sure. Um, well, it's probably kind of started out when I was in high school. Um, we were just kind of touching on that a little bit earlier here today um, with the right tech. Um, know they have an on-job training program back when I was in high school and um, there was a program that you can go sign up for that kind of gets you into a career and then you could naturally get some time off of school so uh, that's, that was one of my Perfect. key things you know like, hey how I Check. can get out of school early yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so and um, when I signed up for that I didn't actually have a job at the time to um, compare to so they they assigned me this job here and it was in it was a semi-retired guy in delano that had a pattern shop and a little foundry so he needed somebody to help him out so i went there and, and um to apply for the job and then um and i got that's kind of where i started my career you know so it was and then from there it just kind of just progressed farther and farther into my career um and then went to actually vocational school to for pattern making um you know, to learn a little bit more about it, and, and then a lot of other um, things that are CAD-wise and some of the other things I learned through night classes and or just self-learning. Most of it's probably been self-learned, you know, with sure. a lot of stuff that we do, you know, just like a lot of people do, you know, trying to figure out something. In the old school way, before yeah. YouTube, before everything was on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. You actually had to do the work. You yeah. couldn't just go watch yeah. some Trial and error. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Uh, I was uh, I was looking through your site. You've got some really cool things. I mean, like, as technology has changed from when you started to where it is now, I mean, you're talking about 3D printers as well. Yep. I, mean, I mean, all of these cool things that, I mean, you 
you can go and make anything on those. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you said like the right tech center. I mean, just like there's an aspect of what you do and kind of a message you maybe want to give to some younger people out there of, hey, college is maybe not your path. There's also manufacturing here, and look what's the cool things that we can do. Talk a little bit about how that technology has changed from when you started. Um, well, I guess to, to date myself, you know, a lot of there's not <laughs> much for computers back then, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so everything was more hand built, um, and so you 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 more on hands on type operation type that, and then, and I got to be involved in the front end of it when computers started coming in and CNCs and CAD design and stuff like that. So. Sure. You get to be involved in a lot of how that stuff grows and changes, and then same with 3D printing. I mean, our first 3D printer was we owned was back in 1995. So just to wow. give, just to give you an idea, you know how long 3D printing has been around. So it's um, it's it's great that the, the previous owner of Craft Pattern gave me the opportunities to be able to be involved in a lot of this new upcoming technology and then yeah. keep playing with it and just keep growing and growing with it. So. Um, College is still important, you know, and in, in certainly out there and needed for a lot of people. Um, you know, but the right tech certainly got me involved in, in the right course and got me landed in a job that really kind of made me very interested in learning and wanting to figure out how to build things, create yeah. be more creative and stuff like that, and then working with your hands. Cool. And it's still that way today, but we're using CNC and 3D printing at the same time so you're still involved in building stuff but you're utilizing a lot of higher technology to make things easier and much more quicker so and that's where we're vertical what steve was talking about being vertically integrated i'm always looking at how we can we shorten up lead time that's what our customer wants he wants it yesterday yeah. I, we want it yesterday and so bringing things in house all the time you know certain things like that you know helps control some of the lead time and then you also create um, control some of the quality because some of the stuff that they're wanting us to build, not every production where production manufacturer out there wants to tackle it because it's probably very exotic material or very unique that's just not fitting in their wheelhouse. Yeah. We we kind of strive on that kind of stuff, you know. Sure. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a great shout out to former guest of uh, podcast that CEO program at Right Tech. Cool to see you know somebody in the right tech program, just continue on and turn it into a career. Um, pretty fantastic. Steve, how about you? What, what's your background and how, how did you get to where you are here today? Sure. So I took a kind of a similar story to Tony's, a, a little bit different path, but I had a industrial tech teacher in high school that really pointed me in the direction of, of a manufacturing career, an industrial tech career. Um, he was a UW Stout graduate over in uh, Menominee, Wisconsin, and he recommended that I look into some of the programs they had, and I ended up enrolling there, um, pursuing an industrial technology or management type degree. I quickly figured out I didn't want to just be in a management position. I want a little bit more hands-on, which was what Stout is really about, hands-on experience. And I enrolled in their manufacturing engineering program. That was part of their um, pilot class leading up to the accreditation of the program. Mm -hmm. And as I approached graduation, started thinking about what do I want to do? Um, a lot of my colleagues were going out with internships, uh, getting various job opportunities, work experiences. And I come back to the, I was talking with my high school teacher 
and he said, well, I know this guy in South Minneapolis. He has a he has an iron foundry. They're looking for some help, especially over the summer. Uh, would you be interested? And I said, sure, why not? Let's go take a look. Never been in a foundry before other than what we had at the school, right? Mm-hmm. Just do it, though. Yeah. So, all right, we'll go there, take a look around, and holy cow, this place is dirty. It's heavy manufacturing. <laughs> it's hot. But it was really cool. So I end up um, taking the job there for the summer. Um, really liked what I did and did it a second summer and eventually came on full-time after I graduated. Um, spent a number of years in that position, um, cutting my teeth on metallurgy and how castings are made, the different processes, and then an opportunity came up around 2007. Um, Tony was looking to take over the business at Kraft. We had done business together. He was actually a supplier of ours. Uh, he built tooling for me while I was buying patterns at the foundry. And um, we poured some prototype materials for Kraft at the time. It just seemed like a good opportunity uh, to be on the ground floor of something new. Mm-hmm. Cool. And so uh, came over there, and the rest is history. Um, now you're on a podcast. Now we're on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. So it's been a fun ride. I was, I was playing around on your website, and uh, so prototype molding, you, you probably have a lot of cool things because you made a really big point, and in, in it is the confidentiality. So your customer comes saying, hey, we're building this widget. This widget is supposed to do this. We can't make that. So you, you've been a part of those conversations to help produce some some great things, and I know a lot of them has to be confidential, so that's a nail-biter for all 250,000 of our viewers here. <laughs> but what are some that maybe you can share that uh, are, are out to use today of, of some of the things that you were, you were a part of? Well, I think one of the, the watershed moments in Kraft's history, at least since Tony took over, was a project we worked on with Polaris. Um, it took place in around 2008. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a good story in that it's uh, a great example of the type of service we provide. Working with their industrial design team, which is tasked with coming up with all the new products and all the, all the latest and greatest out there that they're going to put to market, um, they asked us to build them a, a motorcycle, a, a concept motorcycle. And the idea was to cast the bike, the frame, all the components as much as possible, short of the, the engine and the wheels, and what couldn't be cast, we'll machine it out of billet. All, all is one, yeah. all is one frame. Yeah. So, really? Mm-hmm. So we said, yeah, why not? And that was around Thanksgiving time frame, and we said, okay, when do you need it? And they said, well, the bike show is like on New Year's. <laughs> so <laughs> you want to build a motorcycle from scratch off of some renderings, you know, hand sketches, computer graphics, whatever, and in about five weeks with three holidays in there. Why not? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, in a time of year where everybody's motivated to be at work. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So it was a good opportunity. Um, it was the right timing. It was that uh, 2008 time frame. Everyone knows what's going on then. There was, you know, work levels were up and down. There's some uncertainty. We were able to commit the resources and make delivery. I think uh, last of the parts was being machined and put out the door around New Year's Day. And I think Tony took that over to them and yep. made delivery. We poured them, machined the last of the foot pedals and delivered them right when they're putting it into the trailer yeah. to head over to, to the first car show, yeah. or the motorcycle show, excuse me. So, so we saw all these components in their evolution from design on the computer to a pattern to a casting and the machining, great. And you can kind of visualize it, but what was really fun is starting to see the media 
and the, the press coverage of it at, yeah. at bike week at the motorcycle shows and um, one of the engineers that was key to the design on the project he ended up driving the bike over to our facility a couple months later that was really cool oh cool yeah and then you're like ooh. I made it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's it's really fun to be part of a, a project like that. There's a there's a lot of excitement, especially with a very forward thinking company like Polaris. They have a lot of resources. Their ID group is full of energy. It's very exciting. It's fast paced, and you know, with everyone's willing to commit the resources to make something like that happen, you can do some amazing things. Mm-hmm. I think it's awesome that like a huge company like Polaris, who you'd think could do their own stuff. I mean, they need companies like yours in order to bring them from, well, our old 440s to casting bikes there. I mean, so like, again, Polaris and and all the UTVs and everything that they do is they really rely on companies like yours, specifically your company, um, to take them to the next level as well, which is, I don't think the general public knows that. Yeah, and I, I think that extends not just to Polaris, but all large OEM. OEM equipment or vehicle manufacturers. They're very... You can name drop here if you want. <laughs> <laughs> they're, very, they're very heavily dependent on their, uh, on their supply chains, um, especially from an R&D standpoint. There's, mm-hmm. just sim- there's simply no way you can put all those processes into a facility and be able to control those. You need to have suppliers you can count on that have the expertise, that are, have the the bandwidth to absorb a project like that. Mm-hmm. Flexibility on what they're looking for, especially for prototypes. You know, most of them they're probably dealing with production, trying to get out twenty thousand parts. You sure. know, but for a prototyping and R and D, you know, they need it. We need this prior, and we need it for a certain time frame. You know, working with yeah. certain sources you're pretty limited on what you can get, you know. So with our operation, with everything that we can offer, you know, we're kind of a, a perfect match for some of the stuff that some of the OEMs are looking for. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, I think I heard once that there's, there isn't a company, a place in the world that can build even a number, like a number two pencil from from start to finish. Like you, yeah, yeah, you, you look, need, yeah, you, you look at the even pencil, the eraser, eraser holder, <laughs> but the graphite it has to come from yeah. somewhere to be assembled and, you look at some of the the most forward-thinking, um, technologically innovative companies today. You think of um, Tesla and SpaceX, Elon Musk companies, and they're doing a lot in the R and D space. They have they have casting capabilities, they have machining capabilities, they have all kinds of R and D stuff. But they still rely on subcontractors and companies like Kraft to support them in the development efforts. Mm-hmm. It's, it's simply not doable mm-hmm. to expect your team to have all capabilities. And we're no different. Oh, yeah. We, we go we, outside, too. And, and capacity issues, too. You know, you know, certain yeah. times we want 25 different part numbers done all at the same time. You know, we, you know that's how we continue to keep growing, trying to, to fit that capacity, what they're looking for. Most of these larger OEM projects, you know, there's, there's a whole plate full mm-hmm. of different parts that they need to have built for this project build stuff like that so that's kind of where what did you talk at vertical vertical integration vertical integration where you've you've tried you know as much as you can to keep to bring more in-house when it makes sense right to to eliminate lead times and things like that but uh, imagine there's things where it just isn't going to fit into your model and you'll have to look outside for certain things 
there's certain processes, uh, especially the chemical processing, like plating, passivation, some of the powder coating processes that there's EPA regulations or state permitting things that are just, they'd be too cost prohibitive for a shop like us to implement. It, it mm-hmm. doesn't make sense. And we're still relying on our network of suppliers here locally to help us with that stuff. Cool. But you kind of touched on that is that network of people in that industry. I mean, you worked for a different, you were, you were his supplier and you're like, yep. Hey, come work with me. I mean, you guys aren't exactly competitors, but you all work together because they might need to, Hey, can't get this done. Can we look at this? And I'm supposing other people are looking at you for the same thing. Yeah. And we actually work with other, some of our competitors. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we work with people. They are our suppliers and they are our customers as well. Mm-hmm. There's a mutually beneficial yeah. relationship there. We can both uh, leverage each other's strengths and give our customers a better product. Awesome. As we wind down here, is there any message that you want to leave the community? Actually, first, are you hiring? Yes. Okay. Awesome. So anybody that is interested in it, just go to craftpattern.com. Yeah, this is our website. You can uh, mm-hmm. certainly reach out to us through our website here um, with some interest and stuff like that. You know, um, you know, with the younger youth coming out of high school and stuff like that, and not knowing what they want to do in their life, um, I kind of wanted to just kind of reach out just to say, you know, there's other opportunities out there. You know, besides you know what what's faced what they're seeing in when they're in school, you know, stuff like what we do, very, yeah. very specialized type stuff, you know, like that, that can kind of keep your mind interested in, in stuff and work hands on and stuff like that too. Awesome. Anything you want to say? Uh, yeah. So <laughs> as you mentioned there, our website, we have uh, some of our positions uh, that are posted out there that we're looking for people. Um, CNC machinist with background in CAD and CAM programming. Um, you know, we're not talking old school machinists on a, on a manual mill or a lathe, this is high technology stuff. Uh, three, four, and five axis machining, uh, very complex uh, geometry and materials. Uh, oh, probably one man. of our... Complex <laughs> geometry, <laughs> son of a gun. <laughs> so we, uh, we uh, actually, one of our biggest areas that we see long-term is our ability to move more people into the design side of things. And I think Tony touched on it a little bit with his background going into pattern making early on. It is a, I don't want to say it's a dying art, but it's a dying trade and that there aren't at schools teaching that anymore. And that's something we're really challenged to backfill, you know, as time goes on and people, you know, through attrition or retirement move out, we need to have that next generation step in and be able to understand the concepts of what the process requires, what we require to manufacture the product Mm -hmm. and to be able to use the tools of today uh, the software the machinery to to get there Mm -hmm. and that's where i think a lot of opportunity exists especially in the digital age we're in now kids love computers they love technology 3d printing we do all of that and that's our day-to-day job we see it as our means to generate revenue and an income but it's it's uh also very fun it yeah. can be very challenging, very exciting, very rewarding. And there is good opportunities, like Tony said, for a younger person that maybe isn't on a college track but still has interest in doing this stuff, working with their hands and their mind. Awesome. Working with CNC machines, too, are very fascinating, just like the 3D printing process. You know, we've we got 25 machining centers. There are three-axis, four-axis, and five-axis machining centers. So they're, 
um, taking raw material, putting it onto these machines, and then three-dimensionally machining these into a, a pattern, you know, and then creating that yourself, you know, things like that. It's kind of fun and rewarding. That's so mm-hmm. cool. Totally. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming in. It's going to wind down uh, episode 96 of the Buffalo Community Podcast. I'm Tyler Reese. I'm Mark Benzer. I'm Tony Kramers. I'm Steve Shade. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Buffalo Community Podcast, produced by Edlin Media. You can find us on Facebook and YouTube, as well as anywhere you listen to podcasts.